is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from episode 56, our discussion on nutrition and Nash with Ken Kusi and Shira Zelbersagi in honor of U.S. Thanksgiving. This is a new topic for us, yes, even after 160-some episodes, a new topic. Enjoy. This conversation starts with Shira Zelbersagi discussing weight loss targets for patients with different degrees of fatty liver disease, and then asking how group members feel about the different kinds of diets and approaches for this population. Jorn Schottenberg starts by noting that hepatologists are not particularly effective at assessing patients' diets or prescribing specific solutions, so he sticks to simple recommendations like intermittent fasting. Ken Cousy, not a hepatologist, comments that endocrinologists know how important it is for patients to get dietary education they can use to manage themselves better, and, second, that the issue here is less about a dramatic event like a diet and more about self-management and self-care on a long-term basis. Finally, he notes, the usual U.S. problem is excess consumption of calories and a long-term step with this kind of issue involves prescribing weight loss drugs like GLP-1s or more NASH-specific agents like piaglitazone in tandem with diet and weight management. Louise Campbell suggests to start in a simpler place, just with a small change of behavior that patients can achieve. Over two and a half years into the NASH tsunami, we finally dedicated an episode to diet and nutrition. From where I sit, this episode's been worth the wait. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, digest, and when you're done, join the discussion in our LinkedIn discussion group. We are all aware that weight reduction is the first-line treatment in AFERD. We also know that it helps in a dose-response manner. We know that the more you reduce weight, you, the better you improve liver histology. And this is especially important for people with advanced liver disease. So if you just have steatosis and you reduce 5% then you re- re- of your body weight, then it's great. You reduce the steatosis in most cases. If you have a NASH, you need more like 7% weight reduction to get NASH resolution in most patients, although even lower weight reductions can be very helpful. But 7% is kind of a gold number where you want to go if you want to be sure that you have improvement. And then people with fibrosis with more advanced NASH should have around 7 to 10% weight reduction to have regression of fibrosis by at least one stage. So we all know that. But how do we achieve it? We all know it's a great challenge. And even if you manage to achieve this weight reduction, it is so difficult to maintain. So one challenge is the long-term adherence, to keep the long-term adherence for weight reduction and and dietary modification. And another challenge is how to choose the right diet for the right patient. I would really love to get your opinion on that before I say my own opinion. I mean, how do you recommend the nutritional treatments to your uh, patients? Do you all go for Mediterranean diet or let them choose the diet? Because now there's so many options. There is the Mediterranean, there is the low-fat, there is the intermittent fasting, there is the ketogenic diet. So what is your take on that? Jörn Schattenberg. Let me make two comments before I hand it off to Ken, who's uh, obviously much more stringently working with diets. I have two things. I think uh, hepatologists have two left hands with diet. They are not good at assessing uh, their patients in terms of nutritional intake. They're also not great at recommending something. So I believe it should be straightforward and simple. And for that reason, I think I've said that before, I prefer to just tell patients to 
stick to simple regimens and, for example, do an intermittent fasting. I think this is something I would be capable of instead of commenting on reduction of certain nutrients. My other thought that I want to share with the group, and we can answer that after this, the big pushback I get, even if I talk to to my colleagues, is why do you need drugs for this disease? They should just lose weight. And I'd like your thoughts on revisiting that. Ken, I think you heard that, you know, maybe some years ago. How can we transfer that to hepatology? Yeah, that's a good point. Ken, would you like to uh, respond before me? Ken Kusi. So number one, endocrinologists have dietitians. You can give some little tips during our visits. In the United States, we have this terrible fee-for-service, so visits have to be done, follow-ups in 20 minutes, and that's not the right way to deliver the education you need for long-term success. So we have dietitians that work close by with us, and or we give them appointment. Now, many times patients don't attend, but the importance of the doctor is to tell them how important it is to have diabetes education. So we, as doctors, are just the coaches there are their own players in the game, and they're going to be making decisions three or four times a day. So we insist how important it is to get education because that's the only thing. Second thing, just general things that you may all know, but maybe somebody in the audience could learn from. We've removed the idea about diet because the diet has to be like a beginning and an ending, and we know what happens when you end the period of diet because they achieved a weight loss goal. So what we tell them is that this is about profound, long life, long-term lifestyle changes that, you know, each time you're eating a hamburger, those saturated fat are damaging, sometimes irreversibly your vessels, and that that you know, a way of loving yourself is putting good food into your body. And again, there's no secret. Everybody knows what junk food is. Everybody knows, of course, fat and sugar and is, is tasty. But we try to create a consciousness of long-term self-love and self-care. But it does require, it's been shown, it needs a structured weight loss program. And in general, along the lines of a Mediterranean diet, of course, what the obesity society and, and weight management people, they allow what the choose. I mean, sometimes if they all for uh, intermittent fasting, be it. But as long as you know, this is a, an induction period, but that the long-term changes have to be those along a healthy Mediterranean-style diet that has the best long-term evidence and it's sustainable. You know, keto diets are not sustainable long-term or a lot of the other intermittent uh, diets. But if they want to do it and they're motivated, that's what they want to do, we're happy. Whatever you want to do. In the United States, the biggest problem is excess consumption of carbohydrates particularly. So it's easy to cut sodas and cut the, the easy, the, the big offenders, but that usually is not enough. Now, the second thing is that except weight loss from bariatric surgery, that's 30% of excess body weight and so forth. Diets that are going to be 5-10% without the support of some pharmacotherapy like GLP-1s have a very erratic impact on fibrosis in particular and cytopathitis. That's why I think that they have to be supported by ideally medications for weight loss like GLP-1s. There are other weight loss medications but not being widely adopted with some side effects and have to be used by people who are familiar with them. But that's why you also need additional medications and again that's why I give pioglitism to so many people because within the frame of a weight loss management you have a net weight loss and it also improves tetapatite and that's why when FDA get drug get approved that don't specifically 
particularly promote weight loss, they should still add a medication that's specific for reversing steatohepatitis in addition to lifestyle. Because even with medications, maybe 50% reach a response. And with diet, lifestyle studies have shown the better ones that not everybody, actually a minority, reach a reversal of steatohepatitis or fibrosis. So depending on the weight loss, I, I think that they're not exclusive. And I think we should, like we do in diabetes or dyslipidemia, use medications and lifestyle change. Louise Campbell. I agree with everything that's been said, but I'd also start even more simpler than that. You have to get somebody to see that they can make a change. So by giving them aims on diets, that could be too far ahead. They need to find something that works for them. They need to find something that's small. There's a saying in the UK that a cup of tea is an excuse for a biscuit. Actually, don't have your cup of tea every day. Jean, I hope you didn't have a biscuit with that breakfast tea that you were having just then. So they have to see that what you're suggesting, even if it's to start just to see a change that they can achieve it. One benefit that I have with fiber scanning people more regularly is that you'll be surprised how much a small change shows in the CAP score. Arguably, not necessarily the most accurate metric of fat, but it is a highly positive motivator for an individual. If they get that motivation, they can move on and see the next change or change a few days. We can build up to changes. There is more and more evidence and I'm sure Shira will discuss this about the quality of diet, not only the weight loss being now more measurable. For me, I just want to get them to see that they can start and reinforce that. And we use a lot of stuff in the NHS, the NHS guidance and eat well plates. And yes, I've got patients who are obviously Mediterranean, but I've seen quite a few recently who are on the keto diet. And one of my questions later on that I'd like to know is there's mixed reviews for the keto diet in NAFLD. What is the basis? for it working? How does it work? Is it better than or worse than some of the other diets? So those are questions that people ask, but I'm not a dietitian. Yes, I've done more nutritional courses recently, but I think quick wins gets the buy-in. And I think for me, I need to see the buy-in and we get that in eight to nine out of 10 patients that we see. So that's good. And then they can go on for a formal diet. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week with another breakthrough episode, this time with Veronica Miller from the Liver Forum, discussing some of the forum's exciting and important work. You'll want to hear it. Until then, stay safe, surf on. If you're in the U.S., have a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.